section five of richmond national battlefield park virginia by joseph p cullen this librivox recording is in the public domain part two the final struggle for richmond eighteen sixty four sixty five section five richmond falls spring came gently to richmond that year of eighteen sixty five the winter had been long and hard after a cold wet march sunday april second dawned mild and pleasant the green buds on the trees and the bright new grass put the breath of seed time in the air sap flowed warm in the lilac and the magnolia under a rich blue sky the people strolled leisurely to church amid the cheerful music of the bells and the soft murmur of the james river falls in st paul's episcopal church at the corner of ninth and grace streets jefferson davis sat in the family pew listening to the sermon the sexton walked up the aisle and handed him a message from general lee i advise that all preparation be made for leaving richmond to-night davis arose quietly and left the church walked a block down ninth street to his office in the war department and gave the necessary orders for evacuation late in the afternoon the official order was posted then pandemonium reigned trunks boxes bundles of every description were piled on the sidewalks and in the streets wagons carts buggies anything that had wheels and could move were loaded and raced through the city to fight their way across mayo's bridge in the mad rush to cross the james and flee south a frantic mob trampled each other without mercy and jammed the streets leading to the railroad stations only to be turned back by soldiers bayonets the few trains that would manage to leave were reserved for government officials archives the treasury and military personnel early in the evening the character of the crowds began to change from a city of less than thirty-eight thousand before the war richmond now had over a hundred thousand people jammed into every available nook and cranny they had come by the thousands to work for the various government departments and in the munitions factories refugees from the many battles fought in virginia had poured in as well as the sick and wounded followed inevitably by deserters spies criminals gamblers speculators and derelicts of every kind and now the cheap hotels saloons and gambling dens began to empty their customers into the streets many of them half drunk all semblance of law and order disappeared when the guards at the state penitentiary fled the prisoners broke loose to roam the city at will the provost guard took the prisoners of war from libby prison down the river to be exchanged this left only the local defense brigade consisting of government and munitions workers but most of them were required in government buildings to pack and burn records some guarded the railroad depots while others were engaged in destruction assignments the order had been given to burn all tobacco and cotton that could not be removed by tossing flaming balls of tar into the warehouses along the river front in the meantime mayor mayo and the city council had appointed a committee in each ward to see that all liquor was destroyed and shortly after midnight they set to work casks and barrels of the finest southern bourbons were rolled to the curbs the tops smashed open and left to drain like flies around honey the mobs swarmed and fought their way into the streets where the whiskey flowed like water 
men women and children clawing and screaming scooped it up with bare hands or used pails cups basins bottles anything that would hold the amber liquid they used rags on sticks dipped in whiskey for torches and went howling through the city in search of food and plunder like a pack of mad wolves looting killing burning the soft night sky became pink then turned a dull red the blaze from the shako warehouse at thirteenth and carey streets where ten thousand hogsheads of tobacco was put to the torch flew skyward as if shot from a huge blowtorch the flames quickly spread to the franklin paper mills and the galejo flour mills ten stories high higher and higher they soared and then widened until it seemed a red-hot sea of fire would engulf the whole city a faint hot breeze began to stir from the southeast scattering burning embers through the streets and alleys and houses powder magazines and arsenals let go with a whooshing boom thousands of bullets and shells tore through buildings and ploughed up the streets shells exploded high in the smoke cascading a metal spray over the area followed by the rattle of bursting cartridges in one great metallic roar just before daybreak a deafening explosion from the james river signaled the destruction of the confederate warships and the navy yard richmond was now one vast inferno of flame noise smoke and trembling earth the roaring fire swept northwestward from the river front hungrily devouring the two railroad depots all the banks flour and paper mills and hotels warehouses stores and houses by the hundreds about dawn a large crowd gathered in front of the huge government commissary at fourteenth and carey streets on the eastern edge of the fire the doors were thrown open and the government clerks began an orderly distribution of the supplies then the drunken mob joined the crowd barrels of hams bacon flour molasses sugar coffee and tea were rolled into the streets or thrown from windows women ran screaming through the flames waving sides of bacon and whole hams wheelbarrows were filled and trundled away when the building finally caught fire from the whiskey torches the mob swarmed into other sections of the doomed city where the few remaining clothing jewelry and furniture stores were ruthlessly looted and burned a casket factory was broken into the caskets loaded with plunder and carried through the streets and the fiendish rabble roared on unchecked as the drunken night reeled into morning the few remaining regiments of general kershaw's brigade which had been guarding the lines east of richmond galloped into the city on their way south to join lee in his retreat to appomattox they had to fight their way through the howling mob to reach mayo's bridge as the rear guard clattered over general m w gary shouted all over good-bye blow her to hell the barrels of tar placed along the bridge were promptly put to the torch soon a tall flame shot high into the air and with the two railroad bridges already burning the three high arched structures were like blazing arrows pointing to the very gates of hell then down osborne turnpike and into main street trotted the fourth massachusetts cavalry when the smoke and heat blocked their path they turned into fourteenth street 
past fire engines blazing in the street and proceeded up the hill to capitol square where a tragic scene awaited them like a green oasis in a veritable desert of fire and destruction the sloping lawn around the capitol was jammed with frightened people seeking safety from the flames family groups trying desperately to stay together huddled under the linden trees for protection from the burning sparks piles of furniture were scattered in every direction beds chairs settees paintings silverware gilt-framed mirrors the few possessions left the family heirlooms the treasures faithfully passed down from generation to generation in the background the massive white columns of the capitol designed by thomas jefferson as a replica of the famous maison carrée at nimes stood guard over the huddled masses below the soldiers in blue quickly dispersed the mobs at bayonet point guards were immediately placed to prevent further looting the fire was contained by blowing up buildings in its path to create a fire lane leaving the main part to burn itself out by nightfall everything was under control but most of the business and industrial section of the city was gone the stars shone down that night on the smouldering ruins of more than seven hundred buildings gaunt chimneys stood naked against the black velvet sky a federal officer picking his way through thousands of pieces of white granite columns and marble facades that littered the streets to inspect the guard noted that the silence of death brooded over the city occasionally a shell exploded somewhere in the ruins then it was quiet again a week later lee surrendered to grant at appomattox courthouse virginia the war was over the park richmond national battlefield park was established on july fourteenth nineteen forty four as authorized by act of congress the property was originally acquired by a group of public-spirited virginians who donated it to the commonwealth of virginia in nineteen thirty two the park occupies nearly eight hundred acres of land in ten widely separated parcels included are some six acres in chimborazo park on east broad street site of chimborazo hospital during the civil war a complete tour of the battlefields requires a fifty-seven mile drive which is outlined on the map in this booklet we suggest that you begin at the main visitor center in chimborazo park thirty two fifteen east broad street richmond where museum exhibits and an audiovisual program are available to enhance your appreciation of this battlefield area markers maps and interpretive devices along the tour will help you to understand the military operations you will see parts of the fields of combat massive forts and intricate field fortifications two houses on the battlefields have wartime associations the watt house general fitz john porter's headquarters and the garthright house union field hospital end of section five End of Richmond National Battlefield Park, Virginia by Joseph P. Cullen